We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to another edition of Dynasty Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio on the Blue Water Network. The hot stove. The hot stove was turned off for MLB due to their lockout. But the NFL hot stove has been piping hot on March 7th and 8th of 2022 so far. And you're probably listening to this on Thursday. So, you know, the, a little bit cooled off from that news. But we're about to give you our Dynasty Takes for everything that has happened from March 7th to 8th. So a little, little news and notes, but like, honestly, outside of like, you know, maybe some like right before the season or right around the NFL draft, like I can't recall a news and notes as exciting as the one we're about to do. Yeah. I mean, the last, the last few days, the last week has just kind of all been chaos. You know, we, we get the, we get the, the news on Rogers, we get the news on Wilson, we hear about Ridley, you know, and obviously we're going to go through all of that stuff, but it's been, it's a lot of times we can just get like lower level items and it's just like top tier, top tier, top tier. Everything is like super important as far as the NFL landscape goes, as far as dynasty goes, you know, and if we were moving around 26 year old quarterbacks, it'd be a little bit different than 35 year old quarterbacks moving around. But uh, this is still wildly important, especially for uh, all of those pass catchers involved. So it should be a, it should be a good one. So we'll start off the show this evening with the Russell Wilson, Noah Fant trade. Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, and picks. And I think a defensive starter going to the, the, the Seattle Seahawks. So first, let's start with the Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos side of this. I will say that we kind of talked about like what was the comparable for, for Trey Lance's dynasty value, like Trey Lance versus Russell Wilson. There, unless it is some dynasty league that I am super confident is going to last for the next 10 to 15 years, and even then, there's no chance I'm taking Trey Lance over Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson and the weapons he has in Denver. Not that his weapons in Seattle were bad, but his coaching staff and the front office was incompetent around him for the last three to four years. 
Yeah, and, and one of the other things with Russ, and, and going to Denver isn't uh, a wild leap in volume, but, uh, you know, I think we're going to see more than 450 or 500. I know, I know uh, last year was cut short by a few games, but I, I just I don't see how 550 as far as passing attempts isn't the floor, and that was pretty much his ceiling with with uh, Seattle. So uh, I think all things considered, you know, baseline, we're just going to uh, worst case scenario, we get Seattle Russ. But I think we see him show that he was genuinely held back by Seattle for pretty much the entirety of his career. You know, it's been it's been well, 2020 was pretty he, he was pretty good in 2020. I mean, uh, even with only 558 attempts, he had 40 touchdowns. So we've always known Russ to be super efficient. He's got the weapons to be able to do so. Obviously, losing Noah Fant isn't ideal, but they still have Albert O. And obviously, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. You know, the list goes on, plus a, an absolutely stout defense um, or the remnants of what was a stout defense. But I still think that they're going to be pretty potent still. So this team as a whole is going to be pretty special. And uh, it, it's hard to knock anybody for wanting to get a piece of the offense. And this doesn't really have, you know, direct dynasty impact other than IDP, I guess. But if you think that Von Miller is signing anywhere but the Russell Wilson Denver Broncos, you are fooling yourself. <laughs> Obviously, Von Miller, not the same player he was five, six years ago. Um, at least, I don't know. That's what I think. I, uh, maybe. Still a difference maker, though. <laughs> yeah, but he's going back to the Broncos. Um, it's still in his Twitter bio. Um, and they got Russell Wilson to, you know, be a winner and put them in the playoffs in 2022. Um, so... The first initial worry of this trade was, is J- Jerry Judy going elsewhere? And then when we found out it was Noah Fant and not Jerry Judy, it's wheels up for the Jerry Judy hype train. Uh, I I think that legitimately, I would say his, you know, I- injuries aside, I think that his floor is like wide receiver, like 24. And I think that his ceiling is top five wide receiver in 2022. So I, it's one of those things that's, it's kind of hard to buy because the, the price is elevated probably from, you know, probably like a, a first plus to like probably at least two first to get Jerry Judy right now. Um, so I, I'm not actively buying, but also knowing that he is going to be winning people fantasy, fantasy matchups in 2022. And to people are saying, who say Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton, or even Al, Al, Alberto, all those things are true, but Jerry Judy was drafted with his top 15 NFL wide receiver and was an alpha in a room of great wide, you know, great college wide receivers. And so he's going to be an alpha in a room of very solid NFL weapons. So it's one of those things that I know Jerry Judy is overpriced and I probably can't acquire him right now, but also I think he's nearly worth that over over. He's nearly worth that overpriced price. If that makes any sort of sense. Well, yeah, I mean the, the, the floor and the ceiling both took a, a pretty decent leap, but the, what you started with there is, is you know, his health concerns. You know, he's only, he's only played 26 games in his first two seasons, which, you know, year one, he played all of the games, which is great. That's what we want. He was, you know, mediocre. I would say uh, last year only playing 10 was not super great. Obviously not being able to be on the field for whatever reasons, that that is what it is. Touchdowns haven't been there. Targets really haven't been there. 
you know, ju- the, the, t- the touchdowns haven't been there for the Denver Broncos offense in the last, right. you know, seven years. <laughs> right. And I mean, that, and again, knowing Russell's efficiency, that this should be a, a huge leap forward, I think, for everyone, including the running back. So it, it's um, it, it will be interesting to see how they kind of piece everything together, because, you know, KJ Hamler is obviously the guy that's going to be predominantly used to stretch the field. They really like Tim Patrick. They they re-signed him. They obviously really like Cortland Sutton because they re-signed him, and then they just went out and spent uh, a high first pick on Jerry Judy. So this this offense is is ready and and is built the way that Denver wants it to be built. They just unfortunately have had to deal with either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater for the last couple of years, and it was like Joe Flacco before that. So you know we haven't really gotten to see any of these guys at their true full potential. So assuming health, everybody's doing, you know, what they should be on the field. I, I don't know why there isn't a reason that we have like four genuinely like strong fantasy assets out of the Denver offense, not even including Russell Wilson. I think obviously Javante is, is probably going to be your primary fantasy point scorer. Uh, unless Melvin Gordon continues to have a huge role. We'll see what that looks like. I think Albert O, as far as the tight end landscape goes, he's going to be into like your mid tight end ones, low tight end ones, just because it doesn't take much to be a tight end one. So even if he's mediocre, he's still going to be better than most. And I do think that Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are are smashes. Um, they both do. I mean, they have two different jobs, but they complement each other so well. And if either one of them gets banged up, having Tim Patrick is is such a nice just like cushion to to have. So. I think um, as somebody that owns a, quite a bit of Cortland Sutton, I found myself acquiring a lot of Tim Patrick as well, just to kind of hedge my bet on Cortland Sutton. Not that I think he's bad. It's just him staying on the field, kind of like Jerry Judy has been more of an issue than not. So I, I'm trying to get as many pieces as I can, even with the growing cost. I think sky's kind of the limit. The, the only um, restriction will be how much they really let Russell cut loose I still think he's moderately kind of held in check. I, I don't think we're going to see like a 650 pass attempt season. Well, maybe because now we have an extra game, but um, uh, you know, the 550 floor is, is fantastic for, for Russell when that was previously his ceiling. Do you see, so Alberto obviously was a huge talent entering the NFL. He kind of dipped to that fourth round unexpectedly. And then he was stuck behind Noah Fant for a few years what what are our thoughts on him now? Do you think that he can reach that ceiling that we kind of saw his last, you know, year, year and a half of college? Or do you think that, you know, he's just going to be like a, a, a viable fantasy option, but nothing much more? I, I mean, I think he's one of those guys that can just he's a he's a do it all type of tight end. At, at least that's kind of what we saw in college and the slow starts for tight ends historically lead me to believe that now that Fant is gone means Albert's going to be beyond that. That's his, his first couple of year window where we normally see these guys struggle and see these guys play slowly, whether they were drafted super highly or not. I, I think we're beyond the kind of the growing period and we are fully into just like prime time tight end years. So not, I'm not saying he's going to step up and just instantly be Travis Kelsey, but there's no reason he can't go out and do what Dallas Goddard has been doing. There's no reason to believe he can't outperform what Evan Ingram was doing in his first few years, even though he was on track to be one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Statistically, 
Um, if if this offense rolls the way it really should, and they use Albert O the way that that Fant was being used, even ninety percent, eighty five percent, seventy five percent of that, we're gonna have a, a solid tight end one, and, and you know he's got the ability to do so. Do I think he's as talented as Noah Fant? No, I, I honestly don't think that's really that close. I think Noah Fant is one of the most talented tight ends in the league. Just you know, unfortunate draw, especially getting all the extra wide receivers in Denver now too. But I, I don't think Albert is a slouch by any means. I, I do think he's going to be one of the better tight ends in the league now with Russell Wilson, who has historically propped up tight ends really well. A lot of guys that no one's ever heard of, a few guy, a few Jimmy Graham years. Um, but then for the most part, you're getting guys like Will Disley and and uh, a randoms who just pop off. Now let's move from the Denver Broncos tight end to the newly minted Seattle Seahawks tight end, Noah Fant. So you know me, whenever there's any sort of big NFL news that causes a value dip, I smell blood in the water. I think this is the buying opportunity. And there was to some extent some people being like, RIP Noah Fant, RIP Noah Fant's career and the like. And I think that is a vast exaggeration, especially because – they got two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Drew Locke is not the Seahawks quarterback in 2023. There's a slight chance that he's their quarterback in 2022, in which case I'm not worried about it. Like, give it a year. Uh, but in 2023, Noah Fant will have a quarterback of the future with the Seattle Seahawks, whether it's through the Seahawks' own pick or through one of the picks they got from the Denver Broncos, um, including the number eight pick. So. Do you think that number eight pick is slotted in for a Malik Willis, a Sam Howell, a Kenny Pickett, or do you think that, or, and how does that impact your valuation of Fant moving forward? Well, my guess is that they piece together something with that pick because I think they're going to have to leapfrog a couple teams probably to get Malik Willis. Uh, but I do think it's going to be Malik Willis. There's tons of reports, uh, at least based on what I've read that Seattle and Pete Carroll love Malik Willis. So I, I would guess that that's one of those early locks you could probably go for. Um, you know, obviously these NFL teams do whatever the heck they want to do. So nothing is ever certain, but I think that he's probably the top of their board unless one of the top couple of guys uh, fall for whatever reason. You know, if we get a, a draft day uh, gas mask bong hit from, <laughs> from one of the tackles, uh, like we've seen in past, maybe somebody slides to Seattle at eight, but uh, I think they package that pickup, move up a few spots and make their way into uh, the Malik Willis lottery and hopefully to land him. But uh, going going to Fant specifically, you know, he, he was very consistent over the last couple of years, uh, averaging like 91 or 92 targets over two years. I think he had like 93 and 90, uh, basically 750 yards, give or take. But again, the touchdown production just hasn't really been there. You look at last year for the Seattle Seahawks, you've got Gerald Everett with 63 and Will Disley with 26, combining for five touchdowns uh, with the same you know kind of target share. I would assume that Noah Fant is taking all of that and now going from Russell Wilson, uh, unfortunately, uh, to the guy who was throwing to him or potentially Malik Willis. Or maybe Seattle shocks us and and they throw their hat in the ring for like Deshaun Watson. If Watson waves his no trade clause for that, who knows? Maybe they throw all those picks at Houston to get Watson. Maybe that's their move. That would make more sense to me. They they flip Wilson for Watson. 
assuming he would he would waive that clause to get there. But I, I think no offense, floor remains essentially the same uh, because he was doing this with crap quarterback play, and he's just going to have the same crap quarterback play in a spot that he's going to slot right in to that target. You know that that third target. Um, obviously, we would assume DK Metcalf continues to dominate there. Tyler Lockett potentially on the block as well. If anybody wants to take that hideous contract from somebody who was apparently supposed to be like dead, however many years ago from concussions. So there's a real chance we see Noah Fant as the number two target in Seattle in the short term until they start adding more weapons and and get that rebuild underway. I do want to butt in here. Um, Looking at a tweet from our friend Ryan McDowell earlier today. uh, We know that Twitter polls can be hyperbolic at times. Uh, he, he he tweeted, which tight end do you prefer in Dynasty? And it was Noah Fant versus Albert O. And I am uh, sad to report that somehow Albert O has the lead at 54%. If you can trade Albert O for Noah Fant, you should do it and run away to the bank laughing. And I'm not even saying like it's a runaway. Like Obviously, there are scenarios where Albert O outperforms Noah Fant. But the floor on Noah Fant is so much higher as a first-round pick who's about to get a big second contract than Albert O, who is then next to nothing in the NFL as a fourth-round pick. You can be as excited as you want about Albert O as a prospect and as a future NFL player, but he just hasn't done what Noah Fant has done, and Noah Fant's about to get paid. So, like, there's no reason for to ever trade Noah Fant for Albert O. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at most likely Noah Fant's floor versus Albert O's ceiling. And that's really bad gambling. You don't, you don't, you don't make that bet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still, you know, very, very intrigued by Alberto, but I'm taking Noah Fan to the bank, uh, especially if he's getting a, a steep discount. Because, like I said, we've only seen him with crap quarterbacks in the NFL thus far in an offense that's also had plenty of other weapons to to pull targets. So, um, you know, at the very least, uh, you know. It, this should be a lateral move at worst for Noah Fant. I don't see how this is a stock down for him. This arguably is better because I think there's less competition for targets. All right, let's move on to our next topic, and it is about Calvin Ridley. So I'm still confused of how this that, that all of this popped up because Calvin Ridley, and I guess he was just preparing for this news because he was like tweeting about like ready for 2022. Let's go. Like he was like hyping himself up for the like, last two weeks on Twitter. Um, but he had to have known this was happening since like November because they said in the NFL report that he self-reported himself, which that doesn't make any sense because they also say in the NFL report that the the hard rock sports book reported him so i don't know how you self-report and get reported maybe they happen at the same time uh, i'm guessing the self-report is because he was using his cell phone that is probably heavily tracked by these organizations yeah so calvin ridley um suspended for a year you know i i was honestly surprised and I know that he, they said that he's suspended indefinitely, which could mean more than a year. But the consensus, at least from, you know, the Twitter Twitter lawyers or whatever, seem to think that it's definitely only a year. Um, are you factoring in your Calvin Ridley evaluation that he never plays again? Or do you think it's a legitimate one-year suspension? Well, I, I think the never plays again is probably a very, very small percentage in the ranges of outcomes. Um, I believe he'll be back. 
the problem is, is he'll be back when he's like 29 and on who knows where, uh, you know, it could end up being one of those things where you got to like make the team oh, or no, show he, up healthy. Yeah, no, he, he, he's stuck in Atlanta. There, there's no way he's getting out of Atlanta until after 2023. Sure. So that's arguably worse. Uh, doesn't even get to potentially try somewhere new and, and you know, turn that page. So I, I, I really, I wanted to so badly victory lap on Twitter, but everybody was tweeting their garbage. Oh, Calvin Ridley used code such and such at this website. And then I got mad and smashed Twitter closed. But I, I, you know, I, I don't want a victory lap on someone's <laughs> thankfully it wasn't like an injury or like going to jail or anything. Um, but I'd been saying previously, you know, last off season before all the mental, you know, whatever's that his price was way too high for an absolutely awful situation. I don't care that he was going to be a target funnel. You have Matt Ryan and a horrible offense. And this guy's being, you know, marketed. He was being pushed up like wide receiver four to six. That was way too high. Always. I get that. He had a very, very good 2020. Awesome. Happy for you. Um, the the price was never right. And I, I hope that some people listened and actually got out and took advantage of all of that. Because guess what? If you did that and you got all of that value at that time, you can go back and buy them right now for a second. No problem. People are smash accepting for a second if you send offers for Calvin Ridley because those people are probably scared that he'll never play again and they'll take whatever. I think he'll be back. He'll be 29 or 30, whatever it is when he comes back to the to the dumpster fire that is Atlanta who will not have a quarterback unless they draft somebody in this class who ends up being a, you know, a career backup, but starts eight games for Atlanta in 2023. Uh, it's, it's not a good situation at all. Um, but I, I think, you know, if you have a team that is a year away, even though he'll be 29, you know, Calvin Ridley's probably at the top of your list of buys to, you know, to be honest. And as far as selling, I think that the time to sell Calvin Ridley is going to be in the second round of your 2022 rookie drafts. And that's because every year everyone has their own, you know, second round favorite, you know, like a DJ Chark was, was mine one year and, you know, maybe a specific tight end or wide receiver. Basically there's someone that falls to that like 206 to 208 range in your draft. And, or, you know, hopefully for you, the guy that you really want follows that 206 to or eight range. That's where I would capitalize on selling Calvin Ridley. If I didn't want to sit out the 2022 season on his accord, because his value is essentially going to be a mid second. And, if you're going to sell for a mid second, you have to buy, you can't sell for a mid 2023 second. Cause you're not even to see that value. And so essentially Calvin Ridley is already back on the team most likely. And so take a guy in that 206 to 28 range who you think has the upside. to you know, be a round five round four startup pick in 2023, if the cards are played right in his rookie season. So that's really the move I'd be making it. And it's kind of more of a, it's a lot easier to do in a, a draft league than an auction league because you don't exactly know like, oh, this guy's going to cost me exactly like $46 or something like that, um, which you could certainly you know sell him for $50, $60, whatever it might be, um, and do the same thing. But I think it's a lot easier to do when like picks on the clock, this guy fell this pick, offer Calvin Ridley for it, and someone might take it. And on the other side of that, you know, if you were to be buying Ridley for those kinds of picks, 
those are the kind of picks you can you can burn. Be, the hit rate on a 206 is almost zero. So if you if somebody approaches you with that kind of offer, uh, I, I feel like that's a super fair buy and sell. That, that's a great trade back and forth. You know, somebody gets the, the chance at the wide receiver that fell that they wanted. And the other owner gets to wait and see on Calvin Ridley. The, you know, the, the, the fruit of that could be immense, more than likely a lot more than whatever the 206 is going to become. But there's so much risk involved in that. It's very difficult to really pay any more because the only thing you really can pay is something you're willing to lose and not have it kill your team. All right, let's move to Aaron Rodgers discount double check. They have secured. Did, did, did they get to tag Adams or no? Uh, I believe they tagged him like 10 minutes before the deadline. <laughs> and that took some cap magic on their part. No, idea. probably probably from the Aaron Rodgers extension somehow. Um, I don't think there was an extension. I don't think they ever figured that out. Oh, OK. All right. Well, the extension should happen in the next day or two. Somehow they got a franchise second Devontae Adams. At, allegedly, Adams, Rodgers back together for at least a year, probably the next four years if, if the cap you know, continues to be fake. Um, so what are your <laughs> what, what are your dynasty takeaways from Aaron Rodgers and Adams back together again? Well, I mean, you play that you play that whole situation like a like the redraft assets. You know, the, you get two guys that are more than likely going to be one, two, or three in their respective positional categories. Um, you know, I, Aaron Jones as well. He his ceiling remains pretty darn high, and as well as his floor. I, I think AJ Dillon continues to kind of be a thorn in his side a bit, but we um, we don't really have the greatest roster, but it's Aaron Rodgers and it's Devonte Adams. We've seen these guys do it uh, for way too long now. And, and you really can't put anything past them. You know, it's going to be nothing but production. The NFC is an absolute joke at this point compared to the AFC. So regardless of schedule, I think we're going to see NF- NFC teams kind of go crazy uh, in the next few years here, while the AFC is completely flooded with quarterback talent and team talent overall, the AFC is just so much better than the NFC right now. It's it's pretty wild. But what we can we all have to kind of hope that Green Bay adds some pieces. You know, they brought in Amari Rogers last year in the draft. Uh, I don't even know if he played a snap. To be completely honest with you, I was mildly excited coming from wide receiver university. Uh, that he would at least be kind of thrown into the mix a little bit, but obviously them bringing back Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams being Devontae Adams, uh, MVS being there, Alan Lazard. It was just kind of all the same old faces that we've gotten used to over the last four or five, six years. Uh, And that's just kind of it. You know, Rodgers likes what he likes, and he's going to target the guys he trusts. So bringing in anything new, even though he always complains that he never has any talent around him, even when they do or have tried, it just... It never really goes all that well. It's always Adams or Cobb or the guys he's always leaned on. So uh, I think short term, this offense is really, really great, but you kind of have to play it as a redraft. Once once Rodgers is gone, pretty much everybody loses all their super high end value. I still think Devontae Adams probably fine, but, you know, he's he's got to be, what, 30 almost 29. Sure. But if he's signing a four year deal, it seems like, you know, might not be cemented on. March 8th, but 
seems like that is going to get done sooner than later, which yeah. should then, I mean, granted that doesn't stop Aaron Rodgers from like throwing a hissy fit in two years being like, I'm done with the Packers. So, but you know, in general, it should for the most part cement that he's going to retire in green Bay. Yeah. And more than, yeah, more than likely retiring in green Bay will be Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers. But there is that chance that Rodgers freaks out and they blow the team up. But I think for right now, they're just going to try to keep him happy with all of his friends, all of the people that he trusts, and maybe just draft defense and, and hope for the best. All right. Before we do our little rapid fire to end the show, let's hear about ourselves. Roto Viz. Hey, RotoViz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal RotoViz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year RotoViz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Dan, we got about 10 minutes on the clock, so let's let's get to it. Tight ends, franchise tagged Dalton Schultz, David Njoku? Mike Gusecki, all franchise tag. Evan Ingram did a little dance on Twitter when he was not franchise tagged. What are your takeaways from these four franchise tags slash non-franchise tag news? Well, I think, uh, you know, David Njoku is a very, very interesting one because he was was kind of supposed to be the freak of that class. Uh, Never really been happy in Cleveland. And then they finally said, here's a pile of money. Shut up and show up to work. That's essentially what that is. Um, you know, they, they brought in Austin Hooper, uh, obviously that team's not really littered with weapons at this point. You still have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, whatever's left in the tanks for Jarvis Landry. Uh, outside of that, it really should be a run first tight end second type of team. They, they've kind of got that build and, and seem like they're going to do things kind of under the, the Patriots microscope, just dink and dunk people to death, run the ball and, and, you know, play with their defense. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady aren't quite the same player, uh, so there's a little difference there. But um, David Njoku is an interesting one. You would hope that this means that they're going to try to showcase him a little bit more, giving him all of that money and actually taking advantage of his his absolute freak ability. 
but we've probably thought that over the last four or five years anyways, and nothing has happened. So uh, that one is very intriguing to me. I'm a little bit skittish to buy just because I don't really trust Cleveland to use him properly, but been wrong before. Uh, I think Schultz and Gasecki are kind of along the same line. I, I, I you know, Schultz is, uh, has shown he can do great things with the news of them cutting potentially Amari Cooper. I think that could really, you know, launch Schultz's value up. I, I would expect them to re-sign Mike Gallup. And then, you know, CeeDee Lamb has a real case for wide receiver one if, uh, if Amari Cooper is in fact gone. So, uh, I think Schultz here, it could potentially be a really nice buy if people, for whatever reason, are are worried about that Dallas Cowboys offense going not going in the right direction. But I think potentially the removal of Amari Cooper could be a good thing overall for them not to force feed is those Jar- wide receivers. Is Jarwin an FA2? I think he's either restricted or on the last year of his rookie. Okay, yeah. I mean... That would be my one like concern with going all in on on Dalton Schultz, sure. Um, because I, I I think Jarwin is also talented, uh, are, yeah. and and so you know we'll see how that plays out. My my biggest takeaway here is that Mike Gesicki's floor raised slash stayed the same, and his ceiling precipitously dropped. You know that there was the hope of like oh what if he goes to Green Bay or what if he goes to you know San Francisco or you know all all these different landing spots. There's just so much upside the tight end of Tua at this stage in his career has. If Tua turns into the great prospect we once thought he was, then maybe that that ceiling will increase slightly. But I, I do think that some of the, like the top five tight end aspirations were quelled by the presence of you know staying in Miami. Yeah, and uh, you know the removal of Brian Flores and the potential for them to get Deshaun Watson, I think, uh, was kind of the start of that. And then obviously them bringing Gasecki back. Um, you know, like you said, great, great for his floor, horrible for his ceiling. Um, you know, having Waddle there helps at least to remove some of the coverage. Otherwise they would just focus him all game, every game. So, you know, th- those two pieces in, in Miami are, are very intriguing talent wise. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be a, a tough, tough sledding year while they work through the two, uh, frustrations and if he can stay healthy or even prove that he's an NFL quarterback. Next, Chris Godwin franchise tagged. Um, and honestly, today with the Rodgers and Russell Wilson news, I think we're getting closer to my dream scenario of playing Kyle Trask and letting the world burn, Dan. <laughs> like, it, to be honest, if the Bucks don't sign the, I mean, granted, they're going to sign the long term deal with Chris Godwin, but if they don't sign the Chris Godwin de- deal before like the middle of free agency, they'll have to do the, Cal Trask, let it burn if he's terrible plan. And so I'm very happy with that. I want, that's what I want the Buccaneers to do as a fan. Do you, do you think that is, you know, becoming more likely the outcome or you think it's still, they're looking on the market for like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type? Well, I think they made the, obviously you don't want to lose Chris Godwin, right? But I think they made this move, especially the tag because they have a move in mind to get a quarterback, you know, maybe Kirk Cousins is on their board. Maybe they genuinely think they can get Deshaun Watson for a reasonable price. If they land Deshaun Watson and they make all of those contracts work and, and the money's right, I mean, to the moon. Uh, it's 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 the Tom Brady on steroids bit. You know, Deshaun Watson is so much more dynamic. Obviously, his his ability to to run the football would open that offense 
tenfold compared to what Brady was able to bring. Obviously, the most one of the most elite, if not the most elite pocket passer of all time, uh, you know, sans maybe Peyton Manning. the, The offense would be untouchable with with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin plus Deshaun Watson. If that's the move, that's crazy. If they do something for maybe they go try to get Jameis back or it is Fitzpatrick or, you know, they they find some other kind of mid-tier guy that uh, maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, I I think those kind of guys are are kind of a dime, a dime a dozen, but Jimmy's at least proven in the NFL that he can show up and right, not lose football games. I don't want Jimmy because I don't want to go 6-11. and 11. Like, That's <laughs> what's going to happen when they sign Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's a 500 team with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, uh, you know, maybe a 10, maybe a 10 win team. I, and the NFC is kind of a joke right now, so they could probably pull that out. If he was able to win all those games with San Francisco, even though they had a little bit more talent, um, I, I think he can yeah, do and, that. And with obviously, Buck's perspective, we'll, we'll see how much talent they have left after this set of free agency. True. Um, so uh, Watson, are anything you're, are you, is there anything you're doing for preparing for the proposed Friday news um, that might give us some more clarity on his legal future, future slash NFL future? Are you, are you trying to buy before it explodes or are you still wait, waiting it out, not wanting to get the pie slapped in your face? I think the buy sell do anything with Deshaun Watson window was closed uh, a bit ago. Uh, I think we're still in the everybody just hold and we'll figure this thing out together kind of we're, we're in that space right now because nobody knows what's going to happen with this. Um, you know, it, the the grand jury obviously is going to mean prison time for Deshaun Watson, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the NFL won't, uh, you know, impose their will on him and, and do whatever they're going to do. So I think we just have to wait for this news and, and really see what is going to come of it. I would assume that he'll probably be suspended for some time uh, if if there's a, you know, a guilty verdict uh, of any kind. Uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is. But I don't think it's the end of Deshaun Watson with a with a guilty verdict of any kind. All right. And let's wrap the show. Um, your favorite. Not really my favorite. Mike Williams resigned three year three year contract. Hey, I gave him his props. You know, we we once we saw him actually playing the way that we always wanted Mike Williams to play. I always saw the the, the true ability. He but he always played super reckless. He was always getting hurt, making these acrobat catches, and he was never really doing kind of the basic stuff that we would assume he could do because he has all the talent to make these circus catches. But we're never seeing him just be like a solid over the middle, underneath routes, doing any of that kind of stuff. And last year we started to get that vibe and he, he didn't, he didn't bring, I don't think the like explosiveness is ex- excitement. Like in 2019 when he was catching kept passes for like 25 yards a clip, but he still has the potential to beat you in that space. But last year he showed us he can win underneath. He can win intermediate routes. He doesn't need to only be that down the field jump ball guy. And you know, that that was huge, I think, for the Chargers, especially to see and to offer that contract, because I think prior to that, if last year didn't happen and they only had those first four years to go off of, Mike Williams was not coming back. I think that's a guaranteed lock. 
Yeah, and as far as Mike Williams, this is the perfect situation for him. He's yeah. going to be the red zone guy, as he always is. He's going to be the deep threat guy with Keenan Allen on intermediate routes. And he has Justin Herbert. So there really wasn't a better landing spot for Mike Williams than staying in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, arrows up for, for Mike Williams if you're anticipating him, you know, not being with the team in 2022. Well, and this is prime years, too. I mean, he just turned 27. That's kind of when we see... Uh, when we see these wide receivers really start to to pop, Keenan Allen's kind of at the back end of that prime window, but he's still going strong. He's still playing well. Um, I don't think he's missed a ton of time after missing, after only missing time early in his career. So uh, I think this offense as a whole is is really going to be special for the next few years, uh, as long as Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are staying healthy. Obviously, Austin Eckler has been special as well. Uh, we'll see what they do if they add any other pass catchers, maybe a tight end to to kind of supplement anything from Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams. I think Josh Palmer is going to end up being kind of one of those sneaky wide receiver threes that gets a little bit of fantasy value. Maybe sneaks in with like 80 to you know 80, maybe even up to like 100 targets if they lean on Justin Herbert a little bit more and a little bit less on Austin Eckler to keep him fresh. Uh, this offense could absolutely explode with, with everybody healthy. And, uh, you know, obviously the play calling is always, is always going to be going in favor of offensive weapons because that team's always willing to take shots and they've got the weapons to do so. Oh, and breaking news, Dan, uh, Russell Wilson has signed his no trade clause and passed his physical. He is Denver Bronco. Least surprising news of breaking variety that I've ever heard. That should wraps up for this evening. We will talk to you guys next week. Cadu!